Hey, parents. Uh, this is Tim Wright along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And want to thank you for listening to this special episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. Uh, we are smack dab in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic, or pandemic, sorry. And um, we are, most of us, uh, being forced to stay home. And uh, that's to protect us and others from spreading the disease. And what that means, of course, is that we're staying at home. And uh, parents are now working at home and watching their kids at the same time, now moving toward schooling their kids. And uh, so this is a time where parents and kids are going to find that there are many gifts during this pandemic. You're going to spend more time together. You're going to learn more about each other. You're going to find new ways to enjoy each other. Uh, And you're probably also going to drive each other crazy. And uh, I know that uh, for my son and his family and my daughter and her family, uh, they have some moments where uh, they're ready to tear out their hair. So this is all a normal part of the process. And so Dr. Michael Green is with us, and we're going to chat together today, uh, specifically in this podcast, about how couples can stay engaged with each other in uh, these very, very tight circumstances, how parents uh, can weather this and stay sane. Uh, Michael, are you staying sane up there in uh, Spokane? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, Gail and I are are, uh, sheltering in place, of course, and um, we are staying sane. Uh, I mean, some of the things that we'll talk about here, uh, we're, we're putting into practice, uh, so I would say we're staying sane, but I t- I'm with you totally in, in the, the empathy for all of us. And especially now in our age group, of course, you and Jan and me and Gail, we don't have kids in the home right now. So right. a special empathy um, f- for parents who also have, you know, their coupled relationship and have kids or single parents with kids. And as you said, all together, um, I look forward to this podcast. I, I hope we can say some things that will be helpful. And, and just to give people a heads up, next week's podcast will be on how to keep your kids' brains engaged during shelter-in-place or shelter-in-home. And But we, we really felt like there's a, a lot of things being said right now to parents and their children, how to help them uh, as you now become homeschool teachers, in a sense. And uh, there are some things being said right now about how to help us keep our emotional well-being, our physical well-being, but we wanted to really focus on those of you who are parents, uh, those of you who are couples in this together. And so, Michael, uh, let's start, as we often do, with just some uh, big-picture thinking that you're doing, and then we'll kind of get into the weeds a little bit and see if we can be helpful for folks today. Yeah, as I've been talking to parents, you know, I'm both Gail and I are doing telecounseling, right? We're doing it through, through computer, through phone. And as we're talking to people, um, I, I think the two sides of the coin that you described are really really true that on the one hand parents are of course incredibly stressed this is a crisis a crisis is a trauma to the brain it can be good stress it can be bad stress it will be both at various times but it does affect the brain and um, you know people know that um, and some of that can be on the negative on the positive the other side of the coin that you mentioned is that there are a lot of beautiful opportunities for for bonding and for focusing on the couple's bond if you're coupled um if you're a single parent uh you know this is this is a time when you're really focusing on your bonds with your kids and that bonding and focusing on that bonding actually can be 
a beautiful thing for the brain. So I, we'll talk about that too, how to really uh, maximize that. Uh, one of the things that um, I, I'm sure all of these parents are experiencing is we, throughout the rhythm of our normal days, we have space from each other. And, uh, you know, it might be that we go to work or we head into our office to work. Uh, we have space from the kids. And that space can be healthy. Probably right now there's not a lot of space for people just to get away from each other. I was talking to my daughter today, and she said, I just need 10 minutes by myself, but there's nowhere for me to go. And uh, let, let's start maybe with a little bit about uh, how to create space because that's going to be a premium, and then we'll talk more about how then, when you're together, what are things you can do to stay sane together. All right, on the space topic, uh, it, that is a very important one, and um, the kind of um, sort of crisis-based or transitory claustrophobia that we can get, you know, when we're cooped up, that's a real thing. And so it really is important for parents to do a, a number of things. We're going to work now with a coupled relationship here. For uh, one, if they need to sleep in separate bedrooms, sleep in separate bedrooms. You know, it's probably a transitory thing. It's temporary, but that's okay. You know, if they're driving, really driving each other crazy, that's okay. Uh, work if if they need to work in different rooms. If they're both if they're both working parents and they're um, teleworking and they need to do that in different rooms and there's that ability, then do that. Um, if they if they need to go out and walks that are separate walks, you know, like honey, I just need a walk and I need to be walking with myself right now. That's okay. You know, we can't take that personally. We have to say, fine, yeah, I totally get it. You know, I need that space too. I'll go take a walk, you know, in an hour um, on my own. So those things are actually good, and we just have to not take them personally and not see them as somehow a, a destruction of the bond or as a judgment on us. Uh, each parent has to assert this um, uh, this aloneness and this space uh, because we are in an unusual situation right and so we maybe do some things that are unusual for us uh, but they won't they won't crush the bond and what about for uh mom or dad they're on their own it's mom in the house it's dad in the house kids there's not another spouse maybe not grandparents around who can help um are there some creative ways for a a single parent to create a little bit of space from the kids just to get a mental break and emotional break yeah that's that's very important you know she or he has to say um, say to the kids, okay, so this hour, you know, this hour I'm over here and you're going to be in there and um, uh, I, I'm not going to be available to you. Uh, obviously, if it's a baby, that's not going to work. But with older kids, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be available to you. Here's why I, I have to meditate now. I have to pray now. I have to uh, go to a rest state. You know, as we've talked about, I have to calm my brain down, you know, whatever uh, uh, works for those kids. Um, I've always liked talking about it from the brain-based perspective with kids. Uh, this is what I have to do. So, uh, and this might be a moment when you know the kids are plopped in front of a Disney movie or something like that in a mm. different room. Um, if if the parents are not allowing that kind of thing, then the kids just have to play by themselves. And in that case, the older kids probably end up doing some supervision of the younger kids, and that's fine. You know, um, uh, uh, I I I think that's very uh, it's crucial. I mean, because the uh, flip side of that is if the parent doesn't do that and feels the stress and knows that he or she needs the alone time 
and doesn't do it, there's just going to be more anger, even potentially rage later. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that that need for that alone time is the brain signaling the the you know the, the frontal lobe and saying, okay, if you don't do this, you know, there are going to be other consequences. So you must do this. So I would definitely listen to that instinct. Yeah, and and it looks like we're going to be in this for the long haul. And so to, to build these really good habits now, we'll reap some very good dividends uh, down the line uh, if we're, you know, sheltered in place for six, seven, eight weeks or more. Uh, now, what yeah, about... We need a ritual for that. We need yep. a ritual. Uh, I'm just seconding what you're saying. A ritual for meditation or, or prayer, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how people characterize that. Um, need a ritual for that. Uh, if If... If this goes on for more than a week or two, which it is obviously going to for us in Washington, you know, it's gone on for already a month for, I think you folks in Arizona, it's going to be at least a month. And so we, yep. we all assume it'll go longer. So um, we all need to set these rituals up. They need to become the new family system and um, uh, uh, and they need to be two two rituals. One is a certain time per day, I think, where, where th- that parent... Uh, you know, has that meditation, prayer time, alone time. Um, and then the other is when the stress is growing, I need that. And then you mm-hmm. have a ritual for saying that to the kids. Okay, I'm going crazy. I'll see you in a half hour. You know, then that becomes ritualized. So I do think we should ritualize this. So so partly what you're saying is we need to create a new normal in these abnormal times. Yeah. Yeah, it'll yep. be a new normal. And then, you know, and as I think you're saying, once this uh, quarantining ends, we'll come out of it and maybe we'll, we'll realize these are good habits. Yeah. You know, like people are having their kids uh, say grace now and people are eating together more, which we all know is a good habit, right? Family dinner, all the brain research is clear on that. Family dinners are very good for uh, the family, good for the brain. So now that's a requirement in a lot of cases. And and so that may be a ritual that people will come out of this saying, hmm, okay, I actually want that to last. We're going to do that more, you know, six months from now, a, a year from now. And so maybe some of these rituals will last. And then when we start talking about couple rituals, rituals for couples, uh, I have some of those I want to give that I really hope will yes. last. Yes, and, and and that's what I kind of want to move toward now because uh, not only, uh, you know, let's, we'll, we'll talk about couples here for a moment. Not only do they need a little bit of alone time, but they also need alone time together and that's going to be increasingly challenging with the kids there 24-7. So what are some yeah. of those rituals that we can create as couples? This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Yeah, I 
You know, I I want to say a few things. One thing in terms of couple bonding is it's uh, is to adjust our frame or adjust our expectation. Those folks who um, you know, we're going to now talk about there's two parents and they have kids. Those couples that in the past have done less of their bonding through their kids with their kids around, the first reframe is to say, okay, we are, it's okay, we are bonding, we're doing couples bonding as we do things with our kids. Um, so they, they don't have to separate in their minds um, because they can't, right? Because circumstances don't allow for those old rituals. Let's say they went to lunch every other day together, or let's say they took a one hour walk every, every day together, or let's say they had, you know, date night once or twice a week together and those were their couples bonding rituals well a lot of that's dead not all of it they can still walk probably but a lot of that they can't do so they're spending a lot of time with their kids and i i would ask all of us to focus on how we are bonding as a couple through and with our children and that's a, like a mental reframe for those couples um the second thing that i i would say is that at the same time, what's going to happen as we bond more through and with our kids and we and we cut out previous rituals we had um, as couples is that there's going to probably be more conflict and the, uh, you know, might be more anger, might be more irritation with each other. Um, crisis in itself uh, is a trauma to the brain and can create co more conflict, right, and more irritation. It just does that because we're under more stress and stress can create more anger and irritation with our partner. Um, uh, and then this particular crisis in throwing us all together creates its own set of stressors. So we can see an uptick and I think are seeing an uptick in these sorts of conflicts. Some some of that uptick is, is decreased by the sense of um, almost duty, you know, that that is being generated by the concept of we might be in wartime and you know that sort of framing that can actually cut back on some conflict people can be more patient in some ways with each other but at the same time yeah conflict erupts and increases so one of the frames i would like, like to ask people to talk to each other about there is bonding through conflict when when you have a conflict with your partner now uh see if what's happening is you're actually bonding through the conflict. And people do this in conflicts, uh, couples do all the time um, anyway, without a crisis. A lot of couples bond through conflict. They bicker, they get irritated with each other, etc. And they're bonding. And and it and other people look at it and think, oh, they must be really angry. But in fact, what they are is they're, they're bonding with each other through conflict. Well, now we're going to see more of that. So I really want couples to talk about that. And as they do it, say, you know, a minute or two later when they kind of recover from being attacked, let's say, or being bickered with, to come back to it with the partner and say, I, I think we're bonding through conflict. So you're bonding with me with this, this conflict, and I'm bonding with you with this conflict. I, let's talk about that, you know, and, and frame it so that we don't take as much personally uh, that's, you know, one of the biggest casualties of being stuck together like this is people say things to each other and then the other person takes it personally in irritation or anger. And we've got to work to not take these things personally. So watch for bonding in bonding through conflict. Watch for that and think about it and add it to the repertoire. And the, the third thing I'll say, and I mean, there's many others, but let me say a third thing, which which is because uh, we're an adult podcast. Um, this is a time to uh, concentrate, especially for those couples where one of the people 
in the relationship really needed sex to bond. Uh, and there are a lot of those couples where they were, they were having frequent sex. Um, uh, watch out for completely losing that because having sex, um, you know, obviously this means we have to, this is going to be at a time when the kids are asleep or at a time that works. But sex is actually very important, especially to some people in a coupled relationship who don't bond as well verbally motive. You know, they don't, they don't talk their feelings as well. And they, they rely on, on sex as part of the bonding because sex uh, emits, and right, you emit all that oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical. Um, so I actually think that's something important to think about. And if someone is, is in a coupled relationship is saying, oh, you know, we're not going to have sex for the next three months because I'm just too tired. But they know that the other person in that relationship really relies on it for bonding. Um, uh, and plus, it's, it's pleasurable. It feels good in a crisis time. Mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would look at that. I would look at that as a topic for conversation in the coupled relationship. Hmm. Those are a few things that I hope are helpful. So I'm guessing that part of what's going to be happening in some homes is because they're they're really being forced to parent together in close quarters that uh, some of the perhaps disagreements or philosophical disagreements in how to raise kids could come to the fore very quickly. What advice do you have for parents who are suddenly realizing, I think we have a difference of philosophy here in how we should teach our kids or how we should uh, handle our kids in this moment. W what do parents talk about around those issues and how do they find some good compromise? Yeah, well, first of all, they're going to talk about by strategic parenting, you know, before judging the way the other parent is doing it, they're going to be thinking, well, this, you know, he or she parents differently than I do. Is the child in danger from that? Um, if yes, then obviously we have to deal with that. But, you know, if not, generally no, then okay, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to critique that. I'm not going to attack that. Um, uh, so by strategic parenting is just a great concept. We've done other podcasts on that. Uh, a second thing is domains. You know, in a time like this when everyone's together and everyone's parenting, um, uh, talk about what are, what are your domains. Like if, let's say right now, I'm going to do, we're going to do a, a completely non-gender stereotype and we're going to say that mom is, is doing most of the work now which of course uh, almost half of uh, the family's mom is, um, uh, she has kept her job. As people may know, around two thirds of the jobs being lost right now are being lost by men. So, um, you know, mom has kept her job. She's doing it from the bedroom. And so dad's doing a lot of the parenting. Okay, so now, now the parenting has become his domain. It maybe it used to be mom's, I don't know, but now it's his domain for this one or two month period. Um, and, and he, mom needs to kind of let go and let him do it. Obviously, unless the kids are in danger, but other than that, okay, it's now his domain or they've divided it up where maybe he's doing cooking, cleaning, etc. She's doing these other things and vice versa, whatever their domains are with these kids, let them have their domains without, without judgment and without too much manipulation or interference. This is only going to last, you know, a couple months or so, whatever it lasts. And, and, um, uh, and that's the best way to stay sane because all of parenting, as you've indicated, all of parenting is kind of up for grabs now because people who were not parenting as much are now in the home parenting more. Um, they were working outside the home before. So, so it's all up for grabs. And, and if we don't set domains and we don't agree on domains, 
we're always going to be judging each other. So that's just going to add to the bickering and the conflict. And and I'm guessing that um, whatever conflicts the, the parents might be having with each other is best kept to the parents and out of the ears of or earshot of the kids? Um, I, you know, kids are, even when parents go try to argue in their bedroom, kids hear it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, I would say it's a yes and no. I mean, we have to be real and kids, kids, sometimes when kids peer, hear parents arguing about them or getting, um, you know, angry about what's going on with the kids, the kids actually wake up, you know, and they go, Hmm, okay, I shouldn't do that anymore. You know? <laughs> so it's not as if, as if, we should always be protecting our kids from our conflicts. I, I don't think that's real. I don't think it's how family life works. But, um, and I think there can be advantages in them seeing it. But on the other hand, yes, if you, if if there's a a conflict that, you know, there's just a lot of anger. Um, if it's possible to take that somewhere else, then yes. But I think we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves right now. If we have conflicts in front of our kids, and I'm obviously not talking about violent ones or anything, if we have conflicts in front of our kids, we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves because we really can't avoid it. Right. I had a, a, a friend who uh, was an author about relationships, and he talked about how important it was for couples to check in with each other every night before they went to bed and just, how are you doing? Um, how did today go? Uh, is there any way I can help you tomorrow? Uh, these little kinds of rituals, I think, can be helpful for people as well as they get to the end of a day, especially days like we're having. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we we need these check-ins. Um, the like Gail and I do that. You know, every evening we check in. We kind of plan out the next day, um, but we're also just checking in. You know, we're just, how how are you doing? How did today go? Um, and and we we also we're both now in the home so you know we kind of were working together previously because we're both uh i'm executive director and gail's managing director of the green institute and so we have two separate offices in our home and then there's an office downtown for clients and but you know we spend a lot of time in these offices at home together so we are kind of used to being together and um but this is still a lot more you know, yes. than that was and and we're carrying forward our check-in rituals because previously in working together we still would check in we would start our day with a kind of staff meeting which is just two of us you know um until our admin person came so that's a check-in and then we would try if possible to have lunch together if possible to and that's a check-in you know to have some bonding time and check in and then the afternoons get very busy and then you know come evening trying to have dinner together to check in um uh you know, others don't need all of that, obviously, because they're seeing each other much more, especially around their kids. But um, we all do need some check-in rituals with each other uh, for two reasons. One, spontaneously, emotions can come through that the other person needs to ventilate or that the other person needs to, um, or that we need to process. And we need that other adult with us to process it. Um, so that's that spontaneous emotion coming through. And then number two, um, things that we know we need to talk about, you know, we have a time to talk about them. If we don't have the check-in ritual, uh, then it goes to tomorrow and it festers and then it goes to the day after and it festers, you know, so, so the check-in rituals give us a really nice structure and, and in situations like this, the human brain loves structure. Mm. So again, uh, we, we referenced this earlier, but the, 
the whole dynamic in, in these homes have changed with parents now having to work at home. Parents are now educating their kids, helping their kids, some of them online, but some of them are working through packets. Uh, I know for my daughter and uh, for my son, they're both sort of homeschooling their kids now along with what they're getting from their schools. So all the dynamics have changed. And one of the things I found fascinating when you were talking was how parents are bonding together while they're doing things as a family which I'm guessing was probably true a century or two ago. Um, but let's talk, let's end this podcast a little bit with, and this will build on uh, for next week. What are some fun things parents can do with their kids just to change the the environment of their brain uh, from sort of this stress of working at home, educating their kids, and turn around and fill their brains with a little bit of fun time? Fun time, yeah. Well, um, free play, really important. Um, I, uh, bike rides, you know, uh, parents, uh, uh, and kids taking bike rides, which is allowed, um, uh, going to the park as a family, you know, and playing, which in most cases, at least in our state is allowed, um, uh, going, you know, going out into nature and making sure to get exercise and getting exercise together. Is, is a wonderful, you know, bonding ritual like the bike rides together. Um, in our state, families are allowed to go on a tennis court. As long as they're all from the same home, they can go play tennis. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the case in Arizona. Um, it is in Washington. And, you know, so there, there's another outdoor thing. So a lot of the things that that I would beg people to do that'll, that'll um, kind of a, a change the routine and allow for bonding are going to improve going to involve outdoors and involve play because those are the two things that you know that are not sort of covered let's say in homeschooling you know you're not when you're looking at a packet you're not doing those things um uh when you're online studying online you're not doing those things and those are two things that can take the brain to a different place Mm. and and so outdoor and nature crucial and exercise together as a family crucial and i would love to see at least two hours a day of that Mm, wow i think that's really really important uh you know a lot of people are going to get fatter now um i mean we the studies are already coming out about how loneliness number one increases um negative eating habits you know and then sedentary life increases um mental health wise more depression now you know I mean, all of these things, uh, they will need their own help for what they are. But one of the best ways to be healthy is to be outdoors and or exercising at least two hours a day. And that doesn't have to be two hours straight. That could just be little bits of half hour here, half hour there. Yeah, yeah. You want to break things up. Like the kids are maybe doing some work for two hours. Let's say, you know, by then, listen, the brains are fried. So um, uh, there's a half hour, go out for a half hour. Or or if it's very bad weather, of course, or if it's boiling hot, then, you know, go into the basement and free play. uh, uh, Let kids throw things, nerf things at each other. And, you know, basic free play um, doesn't have to be structured. Uh, if it can be outside, great. Then it's generally not structured unless it's a game. And, and let's not forget that free play is is like learning, right? The free play is really, really good for the brain. It's uh, it's great for problem solving. It's great for developing empathy, especially if you do it with others. It's you know all the way across. Free play is very important. There, these kids' days do not have to be massively structured um, uh, beyond doing their schoolwork and and 
practicing their musical instruments and doing those areas of interest uh, that we talked about, I think, in a previous podcast. Uh, beyond those things, uh, free play should be a big part of the days right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that will lead us into our podcast for next weekend or next week, and we'll talk more about uh, things that we can do in our homes with our kids uh, to really keep their brains engaged, their bodies engaged. So important right now. And uh, Michael, I hope we don't have to do a lot of these special coronavirus podcasts, but as long as the coronavirus is a threat, we will jump in from time to time with some new insights. I really appreciate uh, what you had to share with us today. And uh, anything else that you want to add before we sign off? Um, no, I mean, I so appreciate you. I, I, I Being in crisis like this, I so appreciate, um, you know, my friends and family and and people like you and partners around the country and uh, and our listeners, you know, I really feel a kind of humble appreciation for everyone uh, out there. So for everyone listening, you know, just know we are with you and, and we want to support you. Yes. And the, the one really interesting thing about these particular podcasts is it doesn't matter where you live. This is your reality right now. So uh, this it, it is, it's just yeah. not a U.S. thing or a parenting thing. Everybody's going through the same thing. I've talked to some friends in Rwanda, and they're in lockdown there in Africa, Rwanda. So, wow. Michael, thank you very, very much. Yeah. And um, so, folks, we encourage you, if you have uh, coronavirus-type questions, go to our, face, or our, our wonderofparenting.com page, wonderofparenting.com. And there you will find information uh, uh, that uh, Michael has uh, written some books, and uh, I've written some things with Michael. Uh, there's a link to our sponsor, uh, the Center of Place of Hope. They've got some great stuff, by the way, if you're trying to figure out how to stay emotionally sane. Check out their resources. But there's also a place for you to ask questions. And uh, if this coronavirus goes on for a while and there are some questions that come up we will do some special podcasts around those questions so you can send those in to us and we look forward to being with you next time thank you michael thank you tim sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.